This is the Breaking Bad Advice podcast, the show that is dedicated to helping you stay rational in these irrational times. Here's where I remind you that the following thoughts and conversations are for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Please reach out to your financial professional at Plan Financial to discuss your unique situation and circumstances. And as promised, here's our continued conversation on debt. The good, the bad, and the really ugly. The difference between corporate debt and federal debt is that at the corporate and even at the household level, you cannot simply print the money to continue to fund your obligations. Federal debt, print away. Money printer go brr, right? <laughs> so let's talk about it. Let's see. Are there any good uses of debt at the federal level? Yeah, let me let me go ahead and list them off for you right now. All right, and that about does it for that portion. So at the highest level, the federal government is running a very hefty deficit, and it doesn't seem to be shrinking at all. In fact, it's continually widening. Looking at the numbers, the debt-to-GDP ratio is roughly 127% and growing, with the total public debt rising to above $28 trillion in gross domestic domestic products sitting at roughly $22 trillion, it's easy to see that there is more debt accumulating than there are goods and services being produced within our country's borders. This can and will definitely become a, a drag on GDP, won't it? Yeah, um, certainly there's been a lot of, um, a lot of studies done um, by various economists that suggest that as GDP grows, I mean, as, as debt grows uh, as a percentage of GDP, at some point it starts to drag on, on economic growth. I would argue that at the moment, it increases from zero to one percent. It's starting to drag on yeah. on GDP growth, but um, but I'm a little bit more of a radical. So, um, <laughs> but what the uh, the official uh, mainstream economics profession says is that once it increases past eighty to ninety percent of GDP, meaning once the um, the total debt of the the government um, increases beyond um, the total goods produced or consumed by the economy, once it increases past 80, 80 to 90 percent of that, then um, economic growth tends to slow down in the future. But what, what's interesting here is you mentioned, uh, you know, 28 trillion. It seems, again, like a large number. Um, again, that's 28 with 12 zeros after it. That's, yeah. that's a large number. Um, but what it doesn't do is it doesn't really give justice to to how bad things are. So 28 trillion is the official current total debt outstanding held by the public, plus um, what we'd say intergovernmental debt. So that's uh, different agencies and, and jurisdictions owe it to each other. Uh, that's that's the official you know number. However, according to um, the most recent trustee report for Social Security and Medicare. Um, that's just the tip of the iceberg. So the actual present value of unfunded liability. So what they do in this trustee report is they say, okay, based on the promises we've already made, all these entitlements, what is this going to cost us over the next uh, 75 years? And they limit it to 75 years. I'll, I'll mention in a minute why I'm not sure that's even accurate but or, or fair. But assuming that's, that is fair, um, how much would we need today in the bank to pay for these promises? And they estimate that it's over $70 trillion. Wow. Uh, there is a, an economist, uh, Lawrence Clodic, uh, 
Kotlikoff. Sorry, say that five sure. times fast. Uh, yeah, I, I could say it <laughs> once fast. Uh, so uh, Lawrence Kotlikoff at uh, Boston University, Harvard-trained economist. Um, he actually disagrees with that 75-year time horizon. He says essentially these promises don't have a uh, they don't have a horizon. So yeah, they yeah. should be it should be an infinite horizon. If you do that, he estimates. That the unfunded liabilities are well over two hundred trillion. Yeah, well, and I mean, you look at uh, just the Social Security alone in today's uh, world with you know medical breakthroughs and technology, we could be living for one hundred twenty, one hundred thirty years. Exactly, exactly. So seventy five years is probably not uh, not fair. Uh, I'm not sure that uh, Kotlikoff's uh, estimate is is accurate either. Um, but the point is, I think when you have two hundred, you know, over well over somewhere between seventy trillion and two hundred trillion. Just for comparison, the the annual U.S. government uh, budget was three point one trillion in twenty twenty. Yeah. So uh, it gives you a sense of you're talking about three trillion in in a budget, which they blow through every year, anyways. That's why our debt continues to increase. Yeah. Uh, but but that's that's what they say they're going to spend every year is around three trillion, and yet we have unfunded liabilities, promises that we've made to the American people. Um, that exceed exceed that you know a uh, hundredfold maybe yeah well and I definitely think that one thing uh, that we are seeing is completely different today than it was say even a hundred years ago um, or, or we'll say over the past hundred years you look back to charts of you know debt to GDP from 1900 to present and you can see that during the war times clearly the debt to GDP ratio skyrocketed then it came back down. You can, you know, make the case that back then you didn't necessarily have all these entitlement programs and um, various programs that were just continuously needing to be funded. Back then it was, okay, we're going to spend this money for, you know, to, to pay for this war because I guess at the end of the day, if there are no markets to even participate in, then it doesn't matter anyway if everything just gets blown up. Um, today you ha- you have those those entitlement programs that are continuously needing to be funded. That's much more of a headwind than it ever was back then. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's it's a good good point to make, and I think fundamentally, you know, the reason we're seeing a shift in in the the trajectory or the long term trajectory of government debt today is is that there's really been a shift in the American people's perception of what the government is there for, right? So, and what's owed to us, right? And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what we're entitled to. So, in in the past, as you mentioned, debt were accumulated for wars or, or you know what you might consider one off uh, situations, and once the this this external threat or whatever was um, was dealt with. Generally, you had government expenditures reduced, and uh, and and oftentimes you had people going back to productive work. Um, well, that, and and then back in the sixties and seventies too, you had a, a whole um, you had the women coming into the workforce. That's an added to that employment population. I mean, that certain certainly you know continued to grow GDP, but we don't really have that. Um, that aspect today. Well, in fact, you have the exact opposite. You have a decreasing workforce today. Um, if you look at the employment population, so a lot of people look at the unemployment rate, uh, which is the amount of people that say that they're looking for a job that can't find a job, and and that's you know pretty low today. Even eighteen months into a pandemic, I think it's below five percent. A lot of people look at that and say, well, hey, we've got close to full employment. The problem is the employment population, the amount of people actually working in the economy and producing goods and services continues to decline. Yeah. And so rather than having an increasing workforce, an increasing amount of people producing goods, you actually have a decreasing amount of people producing goods and an increasing amount of people uh, just accepting government uh, you know, handouts. handouts. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, and you have the, the technology that's definitely taking over the jobs of today. 
and you still have a lot of people, I, I won't go back too far to it, but talking about college, you have a lot of people learning jobs of 10 years ago. You know, that's definitely going to be a headwind for the growth of GDP. If you still have people who aren't necessarily learning these new jobs that the robots are really taking over, you're going to have to have people learning how to program, how to script, different things like that. And you don't really see that. And that's probably a ways off. Yeah. Yeah. So, so as, as a result, we see, we continue to see that productivity, uh, it has recently spiked. Um, when I say spiked, it's gone from like 1% to 2%, <laughs> but, um, but productivity growth really has been very muted over the last decade. And, and I suspect that that's going to continue for the reasons you just alluded to, but to go back to, uh, you know, what we were talking about a minute ago in terms of government, um, you know, it, it used to be that we expected the government to protect us and yeah. protect our, our life, liberty and, and pursuit of happiness. Um, and no more, no more, really. I mean, the, the current budget, just to give you an example, we mentioned a minute ago is $3 trillion uh, annually, roughly $3 trillion. But nearly two thirds of it is spending on mandatory entitlements like Medicare, Social Security. Another 10% goes to the military. So you're talking 75, 80% right there. And, and you know, we could argue over um, that the extent to which we need to spend that much on, on our military. Um, we spend more than the next 10 countries in the world combined on yeah. our military. Um, some might argue that a lot of that goes to entitlement um you know, entitlement um, aspects of the military. Again, this isn't to say that we, we shouldn't be spending money on the military, but it's just to make the point that um, most of our government expenditures in our budget go to things that um, that have uh, what we would say are fixed costs. These are not one-offs yeah. anymore. Um, just real quick, I had a, a quote um, from uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower um, and uh, in his farewell address when he was leaving office in in 1961 he 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 wrote um he wrote a speech that has been um influential in my life is something that i've 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 read and enjoyed but one of the quotes he says here uh and i think it's it's apropos for what we're experiencing today he says as we peer into society's future we you and i and our government must avoid the impulse to live only for today plundering for our own ease and convenience the precious resources of tomorrow we cannot mortgage the material assets of our grandchildren without risking the loss also of their political and spiritual heritage. We want democracy to survive for all generations to come, not to become the insolvent phantom of tomorrow. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, Joel. I mean, as I read that, I realize you and I were those grandchildren. Yeah. And here we are today talking about a uh, an insolvent uh, democracy. And I, I mean, I... We're more than a democracy. We're, we're a constitutional republic with democratic, uh, you know, aspects Characteristics. to it. But, uh, <laughs> but, but the, the point is well taken. Yeah. We are, uh, for all intents and purposes, insolvent. Yeah. Um, and we have mortgaged our, our children and our grandchildren's heritage. Um, and now we're, we're risking the loss of political and, and uh, spiritual freedoms. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you look at what's going to be funding this and, and, and where you're saying we're mortgaging it. We're the grandchildren that are going to be taking care of it. You're, we're going to be seeing our taxes go up over these next 10 years and they're only going in one direction and I'll give you a clue. It's not down, you know, and, (laughs) and even, (laughs) and even, even then you can, you know, raise the tax all you want. It's still not going to fund the the amount of debt that is currently going on and the ongoing debt that is still there. That's right. That's right. And so I think what, at the end of the day, you know, one of the things that we hope to kind of convey in this is that it's important for people to realize that these the the debt ceiling uh, stuff that we hear on the news, um, they're going to raise the debt ceiling. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. fact, they they did this week, yeah. and, and they'll they'll raise it again in December when it hits again. They've done it thirty, forty, fifty. I don't know how many times. Yeah. Um, every time it comes up, um, 
and and I think, but it's important that we recognize the risks to to the future. Now, we're not saying the dollar's collapsing tomorrow. In fact, we don't we don't think that's an inevitable uh, uh, consequence in the near term. But yeah. we do suspect, uh, you know, unless there's some radical change in our country, that that's that's where that's a trajectory we're heading. And so people need to uh, be need they need to prepare right uh, for the future uh, in in light of that. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I, I think I'll go ahead and wrap this up with a, a quote from John Mills, and this was written more than 150 years ago, and um, I think it, it, it really applies to all three aspects that we touched on today, uh, but most importantly, I think it really applies to the federal debt, and that is that panics do not destroy capital. They merely reveal the extent to which it has been previously destroyed by its betrayal into hopelessly unproductive works. And you see a lot of the, the printing that's going on and um, seeing what it's going into to what it's funding. And it just doesn't seem like it's something that is def- it's not going to grow our way out of it. It's not going to grow the GDP. Um, I think it's, in my opinion, all for nothing. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I think that it's important, even though it, it may not make much of a difference in the short term and uh, for, for a lot of us, uh, you know, this this these asset bubbles, these values may continue to go up temporarily. I think it's important that people recognize the uh, inherently transitory nature um, of this. And so as they look at their balance sheet, their personal household balance sheet, and they evaluate the worth of various assets, they need to be aware of the risks to those values going forward. Because when when the bus does come, as Mill talked about, uh, it's exposing the real value of these assets. Um, the, the problem is if you've leveraged those assets, those liabilities remain even when the, when the market prices drop. Yeah. So that's an important risk that people need to be aware of as they, as they move forward. And that does it for another episode of Breaking Bad Advice. As always, you can find this episode along with the latest newsletters and blogs on planfinancial.com. Until next time, stay safe, stay rational.